today. It's a series called Ignite. Now, I know Harold has been talking about it as we led up to today. There have been some invite cards out there and some things like that, but we're going to talk about Ignite, setting a fire, basically. How to ignite passion and faith in others through you, through me, through us as individual people. It's a four-part series. We're going to look at how just regular folks going through their regular lives can ignite the faith in other people around them. This morning, we're going to look at how my story can change the world. My story, your story, can be used by God to change the world. Over the next three weeks after today, we're going to look at ways in which my worship, my readiness, and my invitation can change the world. Now, the challenge of this series is for each of us to grow deeper in our own faith by learning how to ignite the faith in those around us. You know, we gain as much, or maybe even more sometimes, out of our sharing with other people than they do. So we're going to learn how our own faith can get ignited. We're going to begin by learning this morning how to tell your story well, and then how to use your story to influence the people around you to draw closer to God. This series has been placed right here on purpose. Harold has a plan for it beginning now because we're leading up to Easter. Easter is a tremendous time for you to invite people to come to church with you. It's a wonderful time for you to have an opportunity to talk to people about your own faith, your own relationship with Jesus Christ, an encounter that you've had with Him. So Easter is a tremendous time, and it's a great time to begin this new series. Now, you may be asking yourself, why should I be concerned about telling my story? I mean, who am I? Why should I care about it? I just have one simple answer. Because the Bible tells us to. There's no better reason than that. In 1 Peter 3.15, the Bible says, Always, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. It's not sometimes. It's always to be ready. You never know when somebody is going to ask you because they've seen something different in your life. As you live around people, you can't help but rub off on them. And somebody is some, at some point in time is going to ask you, hey, what's up with you? So you've got to be ready. Now, I love a good story, don't you? You know, when somebody says to me things like, once upon a time, or, hey, you're not going to believe what just happened, they've got my full attention. A story can be a tremendously powerful thing. And if you learn how to tell your story and tell it well, God can use you and it in ways that you just can't imagine. It will surprise you. Well, it all started about 45 years ago in a small Oklahoma town. A teenage boy felt God was calling him into full-time ministry. And since he wanted to be a doctor at that time, he thought God must be calling him to be a missionary doctor. Well, as the boy got older and he went off to college, he gave up on his desire to be a doctor and with it, his desire to be a missionary. Soon he got caught up in what the Bible calls the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. He got married and began following his own plans for his life. From time to time on those rare occasions when he'd go to church, 
he'd get a vision of himself standing in a pulpit and preaching, and it scared him to death. Him, a preacher, a minister? How could that be? After all, by now his life had been anything but what a minister's life should be. No, this just wasn't possible, he thought. Well, years passed, and this boy, who was now a man in his 30s, had been divorced and was now remarried. Still, though, he was plagued by those visions of him standing in a pulpit. And still he argued that he couldn't possibly be a minister. After all, he'd been divorced, and we all know God can't use a divorced man in ministry. Well, several years more went by. But the difference now is that God had drawn this man into an even closer relationship with himself. Now he was attending church regularly. He was having a daily prayer time when he prayed and studied the Bible. And again, he began to sense that God was calling him into ministry. But this time, instead of arguing and saying it wasn't possible, he prayed and he asked God to make himself clear if he was indeed calling him. God answered that prayer at 5.30 one morning in June of 1993 when he spoke to this man through a, a passage of Scripture found in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. After receiving such clear confirmation, this man at the age of 41 surrendered to God's plan, enrolled in seminary. And he spent the next 15 years in various ministry positions in Oklahoma, Texas, and North Carolina. By now, some of you may have realized that's a true story. I was that teenage boy. That's the story of my life. I made excuses for many years of why I couldn't do what God was calling me to do. You may have used different excuses of why you ha can't tell your story to somebody. But let me tell you, God can use anybody and will use anybody he sees fit for any purpose. I want to take you now this morning through a very wonderful story in John chapter 9. It's a story about a man who'd been born blind. It's on the cover of your bulletin this morning. We're going to have the passages up on the screen. This story serves as a wonderful example of a man telling his story to people around him and their reaction to it. Now, I'm going to tell you up front, not everybody who heard this man's story dropped to their knees and prayed to receive Jesus. It didn't go that way at all for everyone. In fact, some of them did just the opposite. Their hearts became harder toward Jesus than they had been before. But I hope you'll see from this story that we should not let how people might react to us keep us from sharing our story. What other people do after hearing our story is not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to share our story and let God, the Holy Spirit, deal with those people. If you have your Bible with you, open it now, please, to John chapter 9, or pull out your bulletin, or just watch the screen. John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Teacher, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it a result of his own sins or the sins of his parents? 
A lot of people back then believed that a person could suffer the consequences of someone else's sins. That if his parents had sinned, even though he had not yet been born, that he might also have to pay for their sins by being born blind or deaf or some other strange uh, malady. They also had a strange belief in those days that you could actually sin while you were still in the womb and that the punishment for that sin was being born with blindness or something like that. Well, Jesus dismisses all that and corrects all that in verse 3. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. He was born blind so that the power of God could be seen in him. God had a purpose. But while I am still here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground and he made mud with the saliva and smoothed the mud over the, man's, the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and he came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, is this the same man, that beggar? Some said he was and others said, nah, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same man. Just imagine what that must have been like. You've known this blind guy for years. And all at once you see him walking around and he can see where he's going. No one's having to help him. He's not running into things. You've got to ask yourself, is that really him? It looks like him, but could it possibly be him? They ask, who healed you? What happened? Of course they're interested. And he told them. The man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over on my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash off the mud. <laughs> so I went and washed and now I can see. People were interested and they asked him, what made this difference in your life? And he was happy to tell them. What happens next between verse 11 and verse 24 is that everyone is talking about this man's story. And the Pharisees take a special interest. They were the keepers and enforcers of the religious rules of the day, and they were upset. One of their sacred, precious rules had been broken, the rule of healing on Sabbath. You see, there was a rule that there was to be no work done on the Sabbath, and healing was considered to be work. So they were upset. They were also afraid of their position in the community that Jesus might somehow get more attention than them and might take over. So the Pharisees tried to disprove this man's story. That may be how it goes with you when you start telling somebody your story. They may try to disprove it, but here's the neat thing. If it's your story, they can't. Although people may attack your story, they can't deny it because it's your story. It's personal. It happened to you. Now, they may choose not to believe you, and they may choose to, believe, to not believe it has anything to, to do with Jesus, but they can't deny what happened to you, your own personal experience. Well, after these Pharisees failed to prove that the man had not been healed, they began to try to discredit the one who had done the healing. We pick the story back up in verse 24. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, Give glory to God and tell the truth. They see, they didn't believe him up to this point because we know that Jesus is a sinner. They were trying to trap the man, but he didn't let that happen. He said, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. He comes back over and over to the essence of his story of what happened to him. 
The Pharisees tried to discredit Jesus. They tried to prove that this didn't happen, but the man comes back and says, I don't know about all that stuff, guys. All I know is, used to I couldn't see, and now I can, and the difference is Jesus. You may also encounter some frustration when you start sharing your story. You may get attacked verbally. Some people may dismiss you, but don't let that discourage you. Remember, it's not your responsibility to change their way of thinking. It's simply your responsibility to be a witness, to share what has happened in your life, the difference that Jesus has made in your life. The Holy Spirit will take your story and deal with that person. At the end of the story, Jesus comes back to talk with the man. And he says, he found the man. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, who is he, sir? Because I would like to. You have seen him, Jesus said. He is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, the man said, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. Now, isn't that quite a story? Have you ever known anybody who was blind and suddenly could see? Didn't go for a surgery? I've not, but I'll tell you, I would be interested if somebody did. He got the interest of everybody around him, and his experience was worth talking about, and you couldn't keep him quiet about it. Where before he had been ignored, people passed by him, tried to get on the other side of the street from him because they didn't want to be hit up for money. Suddenly now, everybody, everybody wants to know what's different in your life. Well, God used his story to reach out to a lot of people. He changed the lives of a lot of people that day through this man's story. Some you could see the change, some that you couldn't. Now, this blind man was just a simple guy. There was nothing special about him. He was just one of the guys in the community. But he had a story to tell, and he was willing to tell it, and he kept repeating it over and over. Whenever anybody would ask, I was blind, now I can see, and it's because of Jesus. He didn't have all the answers when the Pharisees went after him. He just kept coming back to the fact, here's what I know. This happened to me. He'd go back through it again with them. See, you don't need to have all the answers to be able to share your story. You don't need to be able to prove that the Bible is true. You don't need to be able to, to share everything about the Bible. You don't have to even have a Bible with you to share your story and to tell the difference that Jesus has made. You just have to tell them how your life was changed. This is how I was, and this is how I am now, and the difference in my life is because of Jesus. Take a look at your sermon notes. The first principle in this Ignite series is right there on the, on the first page of the notes. It says, my testimony is the, <coughs> excuse me, the powerful tool that God will use to lead others to faith in Him. Your testimony, your story of how your life has been changed by Jesus can be a tool that God will use. When you share your story with people, God will use it to ignite faith in other people and to change their lives. Your story in the hands of God can change the world. So how do you get ready to share your story? First of all, you have to confirm your story. You have to confirm it. If you are not certain about your story, how do you expect anyone else to believe you? 
Before you can share a testimony of what God has done, what Jesus has done, your relationship with Him, you have to first make sure you have a relationship with Jesus. The reason some people don't share their testimony is because they lack assurance of their salvation. Or they're not really sure that, that Jesus has done anything in their lives. So you have to confirm your story. Maybe you've been wondering, am I really saved? Do I know for a fact that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven? God doesn't want you to wonder about that. God wants you to know. And so he had the, the disciple John write in 1 John 5, 13, I write this to you who believe in the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. God wants you to be certain. So you begin by confirming your story. When did you first believe in Christ? There's a blank in, that, in your notes there for you to write in that date. Now, I can't tell you my date. I don't know when it was. I know it was in 1956 because I was five years old. And the reason I know that is because the pastor of the church we went to wouldn't baptize me until I was six. So I know that it had to have been in 1956, but I can't tell you the date. The date doesn't really matter. If you know it, write it down because that becomes a benchmark for you to go back to. But if you don't have a date, maybe you can write in today's date. Maybe today is the day you say, I don't know if I believed when I was a kid, but I know for one thing for sure, I believe now in Jesus Christ. And by believing in Him, I know I have eternal life. If that's the case, write today's date in there. You can say from this point forward, I'm certain. I've confirmed my story. Next, you need to complete your story. You need to polish it. You need to reduce it so that you don't bore people with it going on and on and on. And you need to practice it so that it becomes second nature to you. So you can share it easily whenever anyone asks. The beautiful thing about this is it's your story. You don't have to make it up. You don't have to be a fiction writer and, and write something. Your story will be interesting to people. Because it happened to you. For some of you, when you came to faith in Jesus, it was a very emotional experience. You may remember crying. You may remember shaking. Others, it may have been an intellectual decision. The author C.S. Lewis tells that kind of story. He said, I went out walking in the woods one day, and during my walk I weighed back and forth whether or not I should believe in Jesus. And then at the end of my walk, I decided that I should believe. Simple. He just made a decision, an intellectual decision. Some of you may have had more of a spiritual story. Some big spiritual event took place in your heart. Maybe you can describe it. Maybe you can't. John Wesley, who's the founder of the Methodist Church, said that when he became a Christian, he just felt that his heart had become strangely warm. He couldn't really explain what it was. He just knew that something was different. Or maybe you were like this blind man and you had some physical experience that led you to believe in Jesus or a spiritual uh, physical experience that you know was Jesus and you can share that. Whatever it is, put your story together. Complete it. Remember, there is no insignificant story because there is no insignificant encounter with Jesus. Let me say that again. There is no insignificant story because there is no insignificant encounter with Jesus. If you've had an encounter with Jesus, it is significant. Whatever your story is, write it out and perfect it. 
That verse we started out with, 1 Peter 3.15, says to always be prepared to share the reason for your hope. And it goes on to say, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Sharing your story is the most gentle and respectful way you can find to tell somebody about Jesus. You don't have to look at them and say, you're, going to, uh, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. Tell them your story. Here's what I was. Here's what I am now. And the change is because of Jesus. Your friends will relate to that because they're interested in you. They want to know who you are, the experiences you've had, what makes you tick. And you can, they can relate to it because you are of the same time as them. You've experienced a lot of the same things they have, and they can look at you and see, huh, maybe I could do that too. In your program today, there's a guide for you that will help you complete your story. It's a way for you to sit down over the next couple of days and answer those questions and kind of fill that in and kind of begin to put your story together. Whether you type it up or you write it out in your journal, though, you should write it down somewhere. Because writing it down helps you embed it in a way that you can share it quickly with somebody. Pastor Harold said he'd love to have a copy of your story. If you'd care to, you can email it to him. His email address is on the, on the worship guide. If you don't see that there, it's just harold at rocjinx.org. He'll send you back some materials perhaps or... Or just want to tell you, hey, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing it. The first step in becoming ready to share your story is to confirm it. The second step is to complete it. Finally, the third step is to commit your story to God. Commit it to God. Ask God to give you opportunities to share your story. Commit it to Him. If it wasn't for God, you haven't, wouldn't have a story to share anyway. It's really His story, so commit it back to Him. When you do that, you will grow in your faith. When you say, God, get me through the fear and give me an opportunity and then be watching, you'll have a chance to share your story with someone. Paul wrote in Acts 20, 24, My life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ. My life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ. What is that work? It's being a witness, sharing your story. Some of you probably know of the comedy act of Penn and Teller. They have a show out in Las Vegas. What you may not know is that Penn, the guy who does the talking in the act, is one of America's most famous atheists. He recently had an encounter with someone who took this Ignite principle to heart and shared his faith with him. It made such an impact on Penn that he recorded his thoughts and it's out posted on YouTube. Now, I want you to hear this story, but I'll tell you up front, Penn doesn't change suddenly from being an atheist. But what I want you to see as you watch this story is see the impact that it had in Penn's life that this man shared with him. Watch Penn's face. Listen to his voice as he shares. When you share your story, even if it's to a hardened atheist like Penn, God can drive it directly into their hearts and use it. Let's watch this.
want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we uh, we talk to folks and you know sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the the joke book and the and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, I, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And, uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. But this guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize 
and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like your show and so on. And then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave you that book. That's all I wanted to say. Isn't that something? He's a very strong atheist. But did you hear what he said? If you believe something and you don't share it, then you don't really believe it. But could you see his face? You know, they're back in, kind of close to the beginning. The words that he was, as he was saying and, and his facial expressions indicate this made a difference in his life. The fact that this man was willing to share with him made a difference in Penn's life. He still said at the end he doesn't believe there's a God. But his life has been changed because this man cared enough to share his story with him. We don't know the impact that our story will have. We don't know whether that person is going to immediately trust in Christ or not. But if you move, by telling your story, if you move a person one inch closer to Jesus, you've had a tremendous impact in their life and you have changed their world. This man made an impact in Penn's life. Notice his respect for him. He kept saying he was sane. <laughs> he was sane and he looked me in the eyes. When you share your story with somebody, that's how you'll come off, looking, sane. Not some crazed madman that's trying to convince them they're going to hell, but just somebody that loves them enough to say, hey, Here's how I used to be, here's how I am now, and Jesus is the one who made the difference. Our memory verse, it's in your worship guide, it's on the screen or will be, 1 Timothy 1, 16. Let's read this out loud together. But that is why God has mercy on me, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in Him and receive eternal life. We're here to be examples. We're here to love people. Are you ready to be used by God? It's a simple thing to do. Somebody once said, if you tell me a fact, I will learn it. If you tell me a truth, I will believe it. But if you tell me a story, it will live in my heart forever. Your story can make an impact on people's lives and change the world. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have sent Jesus into our world. I thank you for the impact that he's had in our lives and the changes that he has made. And Lord, I ask you for strength that we would be willing and ready to give a reason for the hope that we have when somebody asks. 
Lord, get us over the fear of looking stupid or the fear of hurting someone's feelings and just be ready to tell what you have done in our lives. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If this morning you feel that uh, it's time for you to step up to the plate and and know that your story can impact somebody's life. If that's you this morning, we want to encourage you to think about coming forward, to answer that call, to say, you know what, I'm going to stand up for what my story is, for what God has done in my life, and I'm going to start sharing my story with somebody. Or maybe you're not totally sure what your story involves or how God has impacted your life. Maybe you're still trying to figure it out, and you're here this morning, and you just want help and guidance and some prayer on what your story can be. We want to encourage you to come for that as well. And if you aren't really quite sure what the story is or what, <laughs> or what, how the story begins and you want to just find out what maybe God can do for you in your heart, we certainly want to encourage you uh, to come forward this morning. We're all going to stand. We're going to sing together a song. If that, is, if, if that is you this morning and you need prayer or you need support, uh, we want to encourage you to come forward as we stand together and we sing uh, this song. invitation never closes. So this morning, if, if after the service is over and you still want somebody to talk to, you still want to uh, figure out what your story is, uh, the leadership here at River Oaks is, go, is going to be more than willing um, to help you figure out where your story begins, what God can do for you in your life and in your heart. Um, so we want to encourage you to take hold of that. Uh, if you want, just have a seat for